Welcome, welcome again to another episode of WTF Interviews. I am Sir Royce Brialis with my prestigious co-host, Dr. Raheem Young. How's it going, brother? I'm good, man. How you doing? Man, I'm doing well. Got my kids during spring break, man. Things are going well. <laughs> and we have a very, very special guest, Mr. Desmond Clark, former Chicago Bear Great. How's it going, man? It's going good. I have my 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 two younger kids here with me. You know, my oldest live with me, and then two they they're here for spring break also. So I got a house full right now. Oh yeah, yeah. All right, cool. You got some activity. Good times. I don't know if y'all if y'all can't hear right outside of this door, <laughs> video games going on, <laughs> all kinds of stuff going on out there. I told them that they got to keep it down, but we'll see if that holds up. <laughs> <laughs> what's um what's your age tell us about uh no go ahead no i was saying what what's your ages of your kids i have twin girls they're 18 years old and then my son is nine and then um my daughter has a friend over here and she's 15 so a few teenagers and a, and a youngster sitting sitting right like i said like no more than seven, eight feet away from us right now outside of this door. Okay, that's cool. All right, so... Um, so um, tell me about um, the difference, you would say, uh, between having two girls, two older girls and a younger son. Like, how, what's the, uh, the, the difference in, uh, like, how you approach your girls versus your boy? Or is there a difference? No, it's the difference on how I approach all of my kids. Um, even with my twins, yeah. twins and both of them girls, they they were always treated differently, and and I mean that in a good way. Like they're not the same. They're not the same human. You know what I'm saying? They have different personalities. They have different likes. They have different needs. Um, my daughter Shana, who lives with me, she's always been the one that kind of wanted more attention. And Gianna, she was always, you know, in her room. She didn't need the attention early on in life. She didn't want people to carry her. She wanted to walk. I don't want people to carry her. Um, so, uh, and, and as they got older, it's still the same way. Yeah, Shauna is like a little bit more outgoing. Gianna, she's a little bit more reserved, stay to herself. So, you know, I, 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 I try to treat them as they want to be treated with my son. You know, he's, he's probably um, more like my oldest girl. <clears throat> where, you know, he, he likes the attention. Um, so, and he likes, with him being the youngest, he gets a lot of attention from everybody. Mm -hmm. um, he, he also thinks he's a comedian and that don't always go over well with his, with his sisters. So, um, but no, man, I, I treat all of them differently because they, they are like just different characters, different, different human beings. So, um, I believe that's so. I'll tell you this. Also, this was the summer of 2019. I, I realized like my girls never spent individual time with me mm. because they were always twins. So they were always together, and they never spent individual time with me. So I was like, you know what? Let me let me try that out because maybe you know. Gianna want to have a conversation with me that she might not want to have around her sister, but they're always together. 
You know what I'm saying? It's like when they come and visit, they come together. So what I did is um, I, I told each one of them that we was going to have our own individual, like, extended weekend trip. You know, tell them what you want to do, and that's where we're going to go. My oldest daughter, she's an athlete. She plays basketball. So I already knew what she wanted. I didn't, I didn't have to ask her. She said, I want to go see a Golden State basketball game because that was her favorite team at the time. So to um, the Western Conference Finals, they played um, Portland. And it was last minute, like, we, we, we were in the building, but we was way up top. <laughs> Acts were literally against the wall in the, in the, in the standing only section. But we were in the building. <laughs> I couldn't see the players on the floor, but we were in the building. And then um, uh, Gianna, she's in the arc. And she couldn't really think about what she wanted to do. So I was like, how about this? How about we go see all, like, some of the top art museums in the United States? And we're going to skip out on Chicago, which Chicago is number two. But that's not like a trip because she always up in Chicago because I was there. So yeah. and the whole weekend trip, we started off in New York. Then we went to the Philly Museum. And then we ended up in Washington, D Washington D.C. Museum over the long weekend. And then with my son, um, I just scooped him up from Atlanta, and we, we, we did what now he's always talking about. He said, we're going to go have a weekend of mandates, leaving all the women home, just me and you in a hotel doing what you want to do. You get to go where you want to go. You tell me where you want to go, and we're going. And we did that for an entire weekend, and we called it Mandates Weekend. And to this day, he still be like, Dad, can we have a mandate? Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's dope. Yeah, I know you said your son has a comedic side. Uh, does he get that from you or from his mom? More, more so from his mom than me. Um, okay, he's not funny. <laughs> okay. he, he tries though. <laughs> he, he's funny. Like, he was there uh, so ago. Like I got, a, I got a joke. I got a joke. I got a joke. He told a joke and everybody at the same time just turned around and looked at him. Crickets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You need to do because that wasn't funny, and he and he he'll laugh at himself now. But yeah, half half and then he used he recycled the same jokes over and over the same lines. Like dude, you got to come up with more more material. Oh, he had like a chain <laughs> and everything. Oh, he always trying to talk about somebody's hairline or something. <laughs> <laughs> We've been here uh, for years now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's uh, a lot of kids uh, get on the hairline thing. My yeah. kids try to talk about my hairline. Yeah, and I'm bald, so they. <laughs> but um, yeah, he got to come up with some more material. Yeah, but you know what? What I always say is like trying to talk about somebody's hairline is like talking about a kid uh, who's getting hair under their arms or something. You know, it's, it's just a it's it's a thing that comes with age. Yeah, so, it, but here's the thing, though. He the one who got a jacked up hairline because he got that <laughs> right here. And um, one time, a girl made his hairline look like a Nike swoosh. And then he was all up there. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just do it, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, he can't always take it when somebody somebody giving it back to him. He was oh, going to be quiet and stop and leave him alone at that point. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. So, uh, Desmond, have you ever had like a jacked up haircut? Oh, I'm sure. My my dad used to cut our hair when we when we were young. But the thing I used to hate the most, right, 
It's like when my dad used to cut out hair, you know, he hold you, you know, you hold your head like oh uh, yeah, hey, sweaty hands. And then you uh, have yeah. those hands, you know, it's like, just can you hold my head up here? Don't <laughs> Yeah, and then and then my, um, my stepdad, he he cut my hair one time, and back in the days we used to get like the triple phase and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Man, looking back at it, man, that them phase was so jacked up. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, it, it, that was just let your hair grow because it wasn't no money to go pay for no haircut. <laughs> you was gonna get it at home, or you wasn't gonna get it. <laughs> yeah, you ever had the soup bowl? Oh, no, no. We, we, I mean, we had the Clippers in and we tried to do what we could do. It's just, you know, it wasn't barbershop fresh. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's fresh enough, though. Hey, <laughs> it, got, it got us through. You know, I ain't getting no fights about my haircut, so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Rice used to get the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah? Man, yeah. <laughs> my grandma, my grandma used to say this on this little stoop, man, cut our hair for like an hour and a half with scissors, man. She used scissors. Ooh. <laughs> like, imagine trying to get a, a fade with scissors. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just a little short here, a little longer back here. Uh-huh. Man, all the way back. I got evidence, man, that's going to stay in the, in the lock, lock somewhere. Locked in <laughs> key somewhere, man, in the safe. <laughs> it have been a good one. i get a haircut with scissors. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, you mentioned uh, getting haircuts from your stepdad. I know we, we talked uh, during our master class. You had an amazing story, you know, uh, talking about your dad. Yeah. But um, tell us some, some more about that relationship with your stepdad. Like, um, are you guys still close to this day? Yeah, actually, we um, went to go visit him uh, yesterday for Easter. Also, uh, you know, he, he the one who took care of my mom when she was sick, right before she passed. You know, he he was a man in the house, but. I mean, he also, he, he has a story, too, because uh, I don't know if I, I, I probably didn't, but October 17th is when my dad was shot and blinded. Mm-hmm. And it was September 11th of 1989 that my stepdad, he, he um, went to jail for armed robbery. So, um, and this was two months after my little brother was born. Mm-hmm. So he had his issues also. Uh, especially with fatherhood, him, him and my, him and my brother, they, I mean, they, they, they get along, they father and son, but it's still that, that tension, you know, because he wasn't there when he was young, yeah. um, for the first, for the first 10 years of his life. And then for the next three years, it was off and on. And, you know, once you, you know, 13 years old, you know, you, you don't establish your identity and everything. And then you got, this this guy who you don't even know, he's been gone since you're two two years, I mean two months old, mm-hmm. coming back in and try to reestablish himself. So they always had a little a little friction, but not I mean nothing, nothing bad. You know what I'm saying? Nothing, nothing bad. But for for me, when because my father, he wasn't doing what he's supposed to do what at that time. Mm-hmm. So when my stepfather, Lester, came in the picture, you know. That's when we thought everything was kind of getting better. You know, we, we were on Section 8. We wasn't telling telling the government because, you know, a man can't be in the house and you be on Section 8, you know what I'm saying, which is another issue. That, that's another story for another day, how they broke up the Black family like that. Um, but um, he kind of, he came in and he, he played sports, played basketball, real athletic. So we connected on, on, on that level. 
And it seemed like just when things were starting to settle in, boom, he's up, gone, out of the house, sentenced to 15 years in prison. And now it's, you know, what, what, what now? What now? And um, now my mom, you know, raising four boys on her own. Yeah. And this is right. The, the thing for her that she was scared about, she had just got a job with the Florida Highway Patrol as a dispatcher. Okay. So she was still within her probation period. And then now yo, 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 your man just got locked up for robbery. So she was she was afraid that she was gonna lose her job over that. But yeah. she didn't. She ended up working there for like 28 years. So yeah, but he he um once he got himself together, you know, he he got himself together and, and he took care of my mom and you know, he was there for until to her final days. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Have you ever thought about like doing um like a a, a talk with your dad and your stepdad? Yeah, like, I, I have. So I'll give y'all a little preview of something that's coming up. I haven't even announced it yet. Okay. I don't even know if I want to announce it because I don't know if somebody's gonna try to take my idea, but they won't <laughs> they won't be as good as me at it if they do try to take it. I'm gonna start this series called Conversations, mm. where I'm just having conversations with, you know, just people with great stories, right? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the stuff that I do is is more business based. You know, I'm talking to corporations, this that, but I want to get down to to the realness, to the rawness. Like, yeah, let's talk about you know what you really had to come through, and we we ain't trying to sugarcoat nothing. We're trying to put it all out there. You know, that's, I think people, they, they want to hear that authentic, authenticity, right? Yeah. I told my dad about it and I was like, you know, the first conversation that we got to have is me and you because I tell your story so much, but people don't even know who you are. They see you on a picture or something like that on a post every now and again, but you've never told your, sto- your story to my audience. Mm. So I thought that um, conversations he's going to be one of the first conversations that I had. And then I'll, I'll, I, told, I, I told my stepfather about what I do, and he was like, man, he used to do, um, when I had my online sports, sports show, he was one of my co-hosts. It was me, my brother, and him. So that was cool. My, my mom, everybody called him Scudder. So it, it was Paul Gaz and Scudder. Yeah. But we'll we, we have that conversation, and, and it's and it's. It's going to be interesting from a lot of different directions mm. because everybody liked that redemption story. Yeah. Um, and both my father and stepfather had they have those stories, but then how it ties into my story and how I, you know, the struggles that that I had to overcome um, coming up as a young man, you know, that was really a father figure that was solid in my life. Yeah. You know, that's why I asked, because, um, you know, hearing your dad's story and your da- your stepdad's story, they both had like trials and tribulations that they were able to come through. And uh, it seemed like you all still have like a, a really good relationship, even through everything. So that's why I, I asked that question, you know, to see if you ever thought about uh, doing that. Yeah, I have a good, and, and I think we talked about this on the show, Paul. The reason that we still have a good relationship with our dads is because of my mom. Yeah. Like, 
easily. And when he was when he was in jail, she she had other relationships, um, but she always maintained the relationship with him while he was still in prison. And you know, she could have moved on and told my little brother, you know, your dad just just screwed up and get him, and you know, we're gonna move on, and whenever you come back, he come. But she 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 wasn't she she wasn't like that. Like she just didn't. She didn't talk bad about people. She didn't talk down on people. Um, it was one of those things we always say, if you have something bad to say about somebody or something, just keep it to yourself. Yeah. And that was her. Yeah. So, and, and I think if she wasn't that way and she was the other way where she was going to speak negatively about um, my dad and, and my, my stepdad, that would have influenced us big time because mm-hmm. – she wasn't one here that was providing. She wasn't one here that was struggling, trying to make sure that we had everything that we that we needed. She wasn't one that that was going to every football, basketball game that we had. So, if she would have said, you know what, forget them, we would have probably been like, okay, well, forget them then. So, <laughs> she, she was never that that type of individual. Gotcha. Um, let me ask you this. Um... From your experiences in the NFL and also uh, what you do now as a, as a keynote speaker uh, and, and an author, like how how has all those experiences uh, helped you as a father? The, the 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 biggest thing, I think, the most impactful thing for me was I knew how I wanted to have that attention from my dad. How mm-hmm. I, I I sought that out in a lot of ways and not always good ways and in situations that I shouldn't have been in. Um, about, I always remember that. And even though men and mom, we, we divorced, one of the things that I told them when I told them that, you know, dad is, you know, leaving, is that they never had, they were never going to have to, like, try to figure out, like, where's my dad? Like, yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't reach out to my dad. Like, he's, he's not here. Even though I'm not there physically, they knew I was a call away. And if that call came across and I needed to be there wherever they were at, they knew that I would be there on the next flight on the way there. So I think that's, that's probably the biggest influence from, you know, the, you know, my dad and and him not being there and then seeing my stepdad (laughs) get taken away for, for 10, 10 whole years. But but here, here's the other thing about about my stepdad too. Like, he's a good dude. I can't I can't say that my dad was always a good dude. My dad was a damn fool. He'll, he'll tell you. <laughs> but um, my stepdad, I mean, he wasn't he he wasn't like that that bad guy. And even with the the armed robbery, he he robbed him with my toy gun. And then the whole purpose of him going to rob some uh, uh, little side hotel, motel, was so he could, you know, provide for the family. He wasn't out mm-hmm. just trying to rob somebody just to just to be robbing people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and we got to eat. So <laughs> we need to make something happen. And um, that's that's what he did. And, you know, and to this day, I still don't, I still don't get it. I still don't understand, like, Rob somebody with a toy gun, right? It's a toy. It's a toy gun, um, and you get 15 years 
for that. I, I, I just never did understand that. So still to this day, I don't understand that. I get you got to serve some time because you tried to rob somebody. But there wasn't no intent to like harm anybody, hurt anybody, you know, besides the, the I mean, the physical, not physical, but the emotional and mental toll that, you know, that's going to, it's going to affect someone. But um, yeah, it's just always thought, man, 15, when I heard that's that, 15 years old, like my heart sunk because I thought, you know, my dad had been in and out of jail a bunch of times, but he ain't. <laughs> wasn't ever gone for like years yeah. so when i heard 15 years i was like oh my god like how old were you huh how old were you years ago when, when all of this when my dad got shot when he went to jail yeah i was i was 12. okay yeah so of course i i wasn't old enough to stand to understand all of the details of what was going on but the gist of it i i, I understood Man, that must have been a real big toy gun, man. Fifteen no, years. Man. It was like a looked like like a little nine millimeter toy gun. I mean, like the cap cap pistol, like one of those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it looked fairly fairly decent. I mean, but I see. I you know what? I've never had that conversation with him. And maybe I <laughs> went in there. Did you point that at them, or what? What did you do? Because you know, it's a toy gun, right? So, was you just waving it around to make it look real, or you know, how, how how did you do that? Because at some point, you know, you could look and be like, "That's plastic." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right, they got an orange tip on it. Yeah. Uh, so, like from uh, I guess from the outside looking in, uh, Lovey Smith always saying, "Well, to me, he always said like a wild." Yeah, no. Has he ever given you like advice about parenting or like, well, any advice in general? Yeah, so like I was saying, in Denver, I played with Coach Shanahan. In Miami, I played with Dave Wanstead. And then before Levy, it was Dick Duran. And I believe eventually all of those coaches would have said, you know, go ahead and, and take care of your family. But I believe they would have wanted to like ask what was going on, give a little explanation, you know. Um, but with Lovey, it was just, you know, just go him, just go him to your business. But I believe also with Lovey, I think I had built the reputation that, you know, I was a pretty responsible guy, family guy. You know, they knew I wasn't trying to just get my get out of practice or something like that. So um that that probably would have been the difference that, you know, I, I had that built that that professionalism. Um, with, with Lovey and then Chicago Bears, where in Denver I was young, you know. Um, and then Miami, I was still young there also. So I don't know if it would have just, just been so easy. But I, I believe eventually they, they would have said, you know, go home and take care, take care of your family. That's cool. But you know what? I want to ask you uh, a question, a football question. Who is the, the greatest quarterback, in your opinion, ever? The, the greatest quarterback ever? Yeah. Well, he's playing right now here in Tampa. Okay. <laughs> is, that, TV 12, so, Brady. Uh, is that really a question these days? Hey, man, to me, the greatest quarterback ever is Dan Marino. So... Uh, I know Dan Marino don't know, know had man. the championships, man, but he, he got I, the numbers. 
I'm not I'm not even looking looking at it from a championship perspective. Like Dan Marino has some pretty good teams down there in Miami. You know what I'm saying? So he um he had weapons. And he still couldn't get over this. <laughs> Um, it's it's been some it's been some lackluster weapons that Tom Brady played with. Now he had a pretty good defense most of the time, but still he made he made some some of these guys like Welker, um, Elman. He made them do look good, just like he did with Scotty Miller. And his name Scotty Miller, the the um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Amendola. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, uh, who, who was the um, it was a receiver that went on the practice squad up there. He was a um, the cross player and he got a chance to play. And hell, he made him, I think his last name was Hogan or something like that. He made him look good. Oh, uh, yeah, Chris Hogan, was it? Yeah, yeah, he's talking about, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a, a lacrosse player. And then when he did get like a big time star receiver, they set all kind of records. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and then then you got the debate. Well, was it the system or was it Tom Brady? Well, you could throw all that out the window now because he don't want to want a Super Bowl somewhere else. Yeah. So, For sure. Yeah. So out the gate. The system. It, it could have been, but he had to work the system, just like he worked the system down here. So. I don't think it's a debate who's the who's the, the best quarterback of all time, and not just because of championships, just because of look look how he elevated his team. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm I think I'm just a hater, man. So I'm not <laughs> I'm not giving him the. Uh, <laughs> I'm, not giving him the time. Time, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm one of those people that you you can't hate on you can't hate on greatness like. I don't like the Green Bay Packers. I'm cool with Aaron Rodgers because the dude just like that. You know what I'm saying? How, how can how can I sit back and hate on Aaron Rodgers? For what? <laughs> like, like one of the greatest of all time. I, I can't I can't I can't find myself disliking him because he he does it at such a high level, man. You can't do nothing but to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's how I see it. So who would be on your Mount Rushmore of uh, tight ends? Ooh, um, huh. Got to go with Shannon Sharp as one, because mm. he he the one who ushered me into the game, and he's a Hall of Famer. Um, and he showed he showed me little skills and techniques on how to block as a smaller tight end. Uh, Tony Gonzalez got to go up there. Um. Gronk, Gronk going up there, even though he's still playing today. He, I mean, he, I think he's one of the top tight ends in NFL history. And I, I want to, I'm just trying to make sure I'm not thinking of um, missing nobody from back in the day. But the, the, the position is different than it was back then. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you got your Mike Dickers and Dave Caspers and people like that. But, you know, you, you gotta look at somebody like a, a Travis, Travis Kelsey. Um, man, Kittle's he doing his thing right now, but he, he just don't have the longevity. Um, ooh. It, 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 it might be Travis Kelsey, but I'm just trying to make sure I'm not leaving out 
somebody that played like well before me. Mm-hmm. Tony Gonzalez. Oh yeah, yeah he, he, he said he was said him already. That was number two. Talk Tony Gonzalez. I think, uh, who else? And Kelsey. Yeah, I go with that. I mean, that's solid. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I don't think I don't think nobody can be like, oh man, what are you talking about? Like, who is that bomb? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, take it back to the uh, fatherhood uh, topic. Um, You mentioned that it was times where your dad wasn't around, then your stepdad wasn't around after he he got that that, that, that starter pistol from you uh, (laughs) and got busy. Um, During those times where they were not around, who would you say was a good mentor for you during that time? All, all coaches, all coaches. Um, it was a couple years after that, and you know, um, I told this story on Welcome to Fatherhood that it was a couple years after that I made that promise to my mom that I was going to be successful. And from there, it was like the coaches took over. I mean, Coach Joe, Coach Jones, Coach um, uh, Coach Jordan, Coach Jackson, my Coach Jays, our middle school and high school coaches. Those guys really started, you know picking up that slack, making sure that I got back and forth and, you know, making sure that I got my grades and all of that kind of stuff and, and became no, the, the guys who were uh, the father figures in my life who I looked up to as, as grown men. Um, so that's, that's who I would say kind of once there was no father in the house because my, my mom, she dated other, other men, a um, couple I didn't like. <laughs> Um, one that was cool, he he was cool, but that that didn't end well with her, her and, and him. So man, I, I I was really leaning on my coaches pretty much. Was um was like the best advice that one of your like young well your high school coaches or your uh, pop Warner coaches has given you about life? So in my book. Um, uh, number one, the first, the first one in there is all you have is your word in your name. Mm. And I got that from Coach Joe, my, my high school football coach. Um, and he, so he, I'm, I'm, I'm going in as the quarterback. Um, this is my junior year. It's after my junior year. And we got spring football coming up. And he wanted me to get everybody together and start doing seven on sevens and going out and throwing the ball. And, and I'm not doing it. I, and, you know, quarterback's supposed to be the leader, right? So he put it on my shoulders to, to be out there, and I'm not showing up. I'm not getting people together. And, you know, a week go by and, and nothing happened. And he called me one day, and like I tell people, he, he ain't no little dude, right? <laughs> and back in the day, you could put your hands on, 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 on your <laughs> Because he, he knew my mom and everything else. He had um, coach my brother. So, you know, he, he, could jack, he could jack me up if he wanted to. So he, he jacked me up a little bit, read me the ride act. And, you know, I, I got the little tear coming down. <laughs> this dude is about to kill me right now. And then he just stopped and, like, he said, son, let me tell you this. He's like, all you have is your name and your word. And once you lose that, you lost everything. And I always remember that. And then I just started to live by that. Like, my name and word is, is who I am. That's what, that's what people look at and say, you know, who, who is this guy? What is he about? 
and that's my name and my word. So I just I just always remember that, and that became like my 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 kind of my my moral compass is always protect my name and my word. If I give my give my word to somebody, you know, it, it means something. And my name means something. When when you say my name, when anybody says my name, I want I want the emotional reaction to hear hear my name to be a good one. So, you know, that's that's important to me. Gotcha. That's good advice. Um and um what would you say? Because um, I'm I'm a divorced dad too, so I've been through the trenches in that regard. Um, how was that transition for you, going from you know being a full household, mom, dad, all the kids there, to you guys being separate? And um, what do you think was the biggest impact on the children during that that time frame? No, it, it was a mess, man. It, it was a mess. Um, for me, I mean, the hardest thing for me was to actually tell tell my kids that I was leaving. And later on in life, once they were old enough, as they turned 16, was the first time I ever addressed it to them because they were kids. They didn't need to be in between me and mom. You know what I'm saying? They just needed to be kids and, and just go play, go to school, do y'all thing. And I always try to keep them out of that. Can't say the same thing for the other side. Um, but when, you know, at the age of 16, the thing that I had to tell them is, you know, dad made a selfish decision. And that's the only thing that it, that I could say because I, me, I wasn't happy. So since I wasn't happy, I made the decision to leave. You know what I'm saying? Y'all didn't ask for that. Y'all didn't deserve that. But that's what I did. And, and I told him, like, you know, you don't ever have to look at your mama crazy. You don't ever have to wonder. You don't ever have to, like, be like, well, well what happened? Nope. Your dad made a selfish decision because I wasn't happy. And I wasn't happy with your mom and our situation. So I decided to leave. Um, but through that whole time, that, that, that eight years until from when I first left until I finally sat down with them, and told them my side of the story, I had to like just bear and grin, like some of the things that you know you hear and like this and the other and another layer. And and I'm like, no, nah, she she knows better than that. I don't know why she's saying these things. But y'all kids, I'm not about to address that with y'all right now. Y'all, y'all just respect your mom, you know. Every mom called me about nothing because you got to call me. I'm going for a thing down there. You know how to deal with me. Um, but just been, just having to, like, I guess, just take the high road. And um, so I didn't ruin a relationship with my kids. And I didn't turn their childhood into a nightmare, from at least from my end. Um, that I wasn't, I wasn't gonna do that, and that that was that was tough. That was tough because as I'm as I'm getting remarried, you know, there was a lot of darts being thrown, and trying to you know drive a wedge through that marriage with my kids, and you know, it somewhat effective, um, but just that that was the toughest part. Uh, man, my kids are more important than me trying to 
you know, no. Um, and and let me let me be right. Let me be right. Let me show you what's what's the what's the right story. You know what I'm saying? Instead of instead of just letting them be innocent, mm-hmm. I had to you know balance that. You know, and just swallow my pride until they are old enough to understand it, and then rest it at that point. And then um, so that was that was hard. Thing. It was a lot of years of just like are, are you stuck? Is that, is that, is that how it's been <laughs> so, yeah, it, it was tough, but it was because I got a great deal with my kids today. And the other hard thing was, man, I love my wife and I'm pregnant with my son. So I moved like two miles up, three miles up the street. Um, I started to be close, but that whole She's pregnant, and you know, we separated. and yeah, that, that was tough too. So how did you know that um how did you know that they were ready to hear like your side of the story? Because they were old enough to understand it. Okay. Yeah. They 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 were old enough to to process what I what I had to tell them, right? Um because at the age of twelve, you know, thirteen it's not, they're not ready to hear what said but now you're saying this, like, yeah. that don't make no sense. But at the age of 16, you know, they, they, they've developed a little bit. They can, they can, they can take the information for themselves and mm-hmm. be able to say, you know what, what makes sense and what doesn't make sense. So at that point, that's when, because it wasn't like, you know, well, when your mom said this and when your mom said that, no, it wasn't, it wasn't much like that. It was, hey, this is this is why I left. Here's the things that happened um, from my point of view. This is, you know, my, my younger daughter, she was like, Dad, when, when we were in Georgia, you know, I thought that you I didn't know where the hell y'all was at. Like, you know, she, she left without telling me that she was going to Georgia. And I was like, do y'all time when your dad came to y'all school and y'all didn't get a chance to see me? Because they were talking to me on the phone and they told me uh, the school and I knew they were in the Atlanta area somewhere. So I looked up, I looked at that, up that school and it was in Marietta, Georgia. I was on the first plane that next morning down to Marietta, Georgia, going to that school. And when I got to the school, they told me that they couldn't tell me if they went to that school or not because I wasn't on the paperwork. So they went to the school because if they didn't go to the school, you're just saying, no, we don't have nobody here by that name. And it was like, okay, well, you got to show documents, marriage, this, that, and the other. And I had all of that stuff with me. And, and I brought it back, and then they said, you got to have stuff notarized. When they got the stuff notarized, brought it all back. And then they told me it was going to be like some weeks or something before they could process it. And, and I was like, no, I just flew down here to see my kids. I ain't seen my kids in like months. Like, I'm here. No, sir, we can't, we, we can't do that because you're, you're, you're not on the paperwork. I almost went to jail. <laughs> almost went to jail. I I acted I acted a fool in there. I almost kicked the door off the hinges. 
And then something clicked in my mind. These people about to call the police. And then I started walking. I started fast for the car. And, and you know, I didn't have no other agenda to go down there and see my see my kid. I was fast in the car. And once I got in the car, I was like, what am I gonna do? I was like, damn it. I'm going to the airport. And on the way to the airport, I another flight. Back, I was like, I'm about to go to jail. Like, I just showed out, and I'm pretty sure that that door is broke that I just kicked. <laughs> so, um, but oh, wow. they, they, they heard about that, but they didn't know, like, everything. I was like, yeah, because your dad was down there trying to see y'all, because I, I know y'all didn't know what was going on. Y'all had to see me in, like, three months. And I couldn't talk to them. And, you know, it, it was just no communication. And they had never, that had never been before. Like, dad was always, like, I bought them cell phones when they were eight. So they could call me. The cell phone got turned off. No communication. Like, so, yeah, that, that was, that was tough. That was tough. Yeah, I'm glad you shared that, though, man, because it's, um, a lot of dads out there that um, are trying actively to see their children. Yeah. And they're not allowed to. Um, and that, that had to be tough. I can only imagine, man, not being able to see your kids. Yeah, man. That, I mean, that's my pride and joy in that. Like, shoot, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to see my kids. Like, you're not going to stop me from seeing my kids. That's that's just not going to happen. And, um, yeah, I got back up to Chicago and I think that same day I was on the I was on the phone with my attorney. We got to go to court. I need my names on all paperwork, every single freaking paperwork that 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 has to do with any school, anything for me being a father. I need that to be in black and white, court order, so I never have to go through that again. Okay. All right, Dad. So we um, we getting close to time, but I want to ask you uh, one last question. Um, so if you could give any advice or words of wisdom to like a new dad or a dad that's, you know, going through it, well, what would it be? So for, for all the dads that's going through it, right, this, this is what I say. There's certain battles that it's not even worth fighting mm. because they have no control over it. And that's what I finally had to realize for myself. Like certain things... I don't care how mad I get, it ain't gonna change because I don't have control over it. And, and, and as bad as you know, you want to have, you know, have your rights or be right or, you know, be in control of what you're just not, you might as well stop trying to fight that battle and just let, just let it go. Because it's important for you to be good and at peace for your kids. And if you're always trying to fight those unwinnable battles of things that you can't control, mm-hmm. man, it's always going to be like frustration and this and that. And when my kids with me, I don't want to be frustrated. I don't want to be like thinking about something that she did or said or no, nah, I want to have that real peaceful, intimate time with my kids when they with me. Mm-hmm. So I just learned how to stop fighting all those battles. And now if it's a battle that, that, you know, that I had some control over or something, you know, I fight that battle. Like getting my kid's name on, I mean, get my name on all of their paperwork, that type of stuff. But just in general, man, just as a father, look, just, it happens so 
quick. My girls are like freaking 18 right now. They're getting ready to graduate. And and just focus on the stuff that matters, man. It like and, and, and the stuff that matters is like watching them grow up and being able to just sit back and watch and, and just enjoy that. And enjoy enjoy these moments because they go so quick. And 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 it's not like once they turn 18, they're gone. It's just another stage of life. But you don't get all of these years back. Um, so so you know, relish it like and like just be in it, be in the moment with them. Um, that's what I, that's what I try to do too because I don't get enough time with them. So when I do get time with them, I try to be in the moment with them. I don't try to be at work. I don't try to be you know my my brain over here thinking about this and that and the other. And I'm trying to be right here with them when when they're with me. So that's 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 the advice that I get. Cool, dope. It's some good advice, man. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, man. Well, I want to definitely give you, uh, you know, uh, your roses today, man, because uh, you, you definitely uh, dropped some bombs, man, over this, uh, not just right now, but over the, uh, the master class, too, man. A lot of people got great value from, uh, you know, your story. And, uh, you know, again, I want to appreciate you for, for doing that, man. No, keep doing what you're doing. Man. Hey. Yeah, thank you. Just, just trying to just trying to bring value. That's like one of my that's like another one of my things. Like, where can I provide value? And, yeah. And like I, I tell them, and I tell anybody who will listen, if you want to build value, if you want to be a valuable a person of value, you just got to find out where you can provide value at and keep providing it as much as possible. So, you know, I I appreciate the opportunity to be given a stage to provide that value. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. It definitely was a good one, man. We uh, we got we gotta do a part two, for sure, man. <laughs> <laughs> Get a little bit more in that story, man. But uh, yeah. Uh, what was there any other questions you had, uh, Doctor Raheem? Oh no, that was my last question. Just um, some advice. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, man. So yeah, we are gonna wrap it. Uh, Thanks again, everyone, for listening. Uh, for myself, Sir Royce Brialis, Dr. Raheem Young, and our, our uh, special guest, Desmond Clark. Uh, definitely uh, thanks for listening, and uh, stay tuned for more announcements.